Today is the 13th day of February. Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible. I am Brian, and it is wonderful to be coming to you from the rolling hills of the Galilee today. Don't get to say that very often, but the rolling hills of the Galilee are a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place. And we've been able to see that and visit some of the lands in the north. And we'll be really walking in the footsteps of Jesus today. But we'll talk about all that in a little bit. We have gathered here together around the global campfire to take the next step forward in the scriptures. And that next step will lead us right where the previous step ended. And so we pick up the story in the book of Exodus today. And we will read chapter 35, verse 10 through 36, verse 38. If you have any skills, you should use them to help make what I have commanded. The sacred tent with its covering and hooks, its framework and crossbars and its post and stands, the sacred chest with its carrying poles, its place of mercy and the curtain in front of it, the table with its carrying poles and all that goes on it, including the sacred bread, the lamp with its equipment and oil, the incense altar with its carrying poles and sweet-smelling incense, the ordination oil, the curtain for the entrance to the sacred tent, the altar for sacrifices with its bronze grating, its carrying poles and its equipment, the large bronze bowl with its stand, the curtains with the posts and stands that go around the courtyard and the curtain at the entrance, the pegs and ropes for the tent and the courtyard, and the finely woven priestly clothes for Aaron and his sons. Moses finished speaking, and everyone left. Then those who wanted to bring gifts to the Lord brought them to be used for the sacred tent, the worship services, and the priestly clothes. Men and women came willingly and gave all kinds of gold jewelry, such as pins, earrings, rings, and necklaces, Everyone brought their blue, purple, and red wool, their fine linen, and their cloth made of goat hair, as well as their ramskins dyed red and their fine leather. Anyone who had silver or bronze or acacia wood brought it as a gift to the Lord. The women who were good at weaving cloth brought the blue, purple, and red wool and the fine linen they had made. And the women who knew how to make cloth from goat hair were glad to do so. The leaders brought different kinds of jewels to be sewn on the special clothes and the breast piece for the high priest. They also brought sweet-smelling spices to be mixed with the incense and olive oil that were for the lamps and for ordaining the priests. Moses had told the people what the Lord wanted them to do, and many of them decided to bring their gifts. Moses said to the people of Israel, The Lord has chosen Bezalel of the Judah tribe. Not only has the Lord filled him with his spirit, but he has given him wisdom 
and made him a skilled craftsman who can create objects of art with gold, silver, bronze, precious stones, and wood. The Lord is urging him and Oholiab from the tribe of Dan to teach others, and he has given them all kinds of artistic skills, including the ability to design and embroider with blue, purple, and red wool, and to weave fine linen. The Lord has given to Bezalel, Aholiab, and others the skills needed for building a place of worship, and they will follow the Lord's instructions. Then Moses brought together these workers who were eager to work, and he gave them the gifts that the people of Israel had donated for building the place of worship. In fact, so much was being given each morning that finally everyone stopped working and said, Moses, there is already more than we need for what the Lord has assigned us to do. So Moses sent word for the people to stop giving, and they did. But there was already more than enough to do what needed to be done. The skilled workers got together to make the sacred tent and its linen curtains that were woven with blue, purple, and red wool, and embroidered with figures of winged creatures. Each of the ten panels was twelve meters long and two meters wide, and they were sewn together to make two curtains with five panels each. Then, fifty loops of blue cloth were put along one of the wider sides of each curtain, and the two curtains were fastened together at the loops with fifty gold hooks. As the material for protecting the tent, goat hair was used to weave 11 sections 13 meters by 2 meters each. These 11 sections were joined to make two panels, one with five and the other with six sections. Fifty loops were put along one of the wider sides of each panel, and the two panels were fastened at the loops with 50 bronze hooks. Two other coverings were made, one with fine leather and the other with ram skins dyed red. Acacia wood was used to build the framework for the walls of the sacred tent. Each frame was four meters high and 66 centimeters wide, with two wooden pegs near the bottom. And two silver stands were placed under each frame with sockets for the pegs, so they could be joined together. Twenty of these frames were used along the south side and twenty more along the north. Six frames were used for the back wall along the west side with two more at the southwest and northwest corners. These corner frames were joined from top to bottom. Altogether, along the back wall, there were eight frames with two silver stands under each of them. Five crossbars were made for each of the wooden frames, with the center crossbar running the full length of the wall. The frames and crossbars were covered with gold, and gold rings were attached to the frames to run the crossbars through. They made the inside curtain of fine linen woven with blue, purple, and red wool, and embroidered with figures of winged creatures. They also made four acacia wood posts and covered them with gold. 
and gold rings were fastened to the posts which were set on silver stands. For the entrance to the tent, they used a curtain of fine linen woven with blue, purple, and red wool and embroidered with fancy needlework. They made five posts, covered them completely with gold and set each of them on a gold-covered bronze stand. Finally, they attached hooks for the curtain. Matthew 27, 32 through 66. On the way, they met a man named Simon who was from Cyrene, and they forced him to carry Jesus' cross. They came to a place named Golgotha, which means place of a skull. There they gave Jesus some wine mixed with a drug to ease the pain, but when Jesus tasted what it was, he refused to drink it. The soldiers nailed Jesus to a cross and gambled to see who would get his clothes. And they sat down to guard him. Above his head they put a sign that told why he was nailed there. It read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. The soldiers also nailed two criminals on crosses, one to the right of Jesus and the other to his left. People who passed by said terrible things about Jesus. They shook their heads and shouted, So you're the one who claimed you could tear down the temple and build it again in three days. If you are God's son, save yourself and come down from the cross. The chief priests, the leaders, and the teachers of the law of Moses also made fun of Jesus. They said, He saved others, but he can't save himself. If he is the king of Israel, he should come down from the cross. Then we will believe him. He trusted God, so let God save him if he wants to. He even said he was God's son. The two criminals also said cruel things to Jesus. At noon, the sky turned dark and stayed that way until three o'clock. Then about that time, Jesus shouted, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you deserted me? Some of the people standing there heard Jesus and said, he's calling for Elijah. One of them at once ran and grabbed a sponge He soaked it in wine, then put it on a stick and held it up to Jesus. Others said, wait, let's see if Elijah will come and save him. Once again, Jesus shouted, and then he died. At once, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and rocks split apart. Graves opened, and many of God's people were raised to life. They left their graves, and after Jesus had risen to life, they went into the holy city where they were seen by many people. The officer and the soldiers guarding Jesus felt the earthquake and saw everything else that happened. 
They were frightened and said, This man really was God's son. Many women had come with Jesus from Galilee to be helped to him, and they were there, looking on at a distance. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of James and John were some of these women. That evening, a rich disciple named Joseph from the town of Arimathea went and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate gave orders for it to be given to Joseph, who took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. Then Joseph put the body in his own tomb that had been cut into solid rock and had never been used. He rolled a big stone against the entrance to the tomb and went away. All this time, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb. On the next day, which was a Sabbath, the chief priests and the Pharisees went together to Pilate. They said, Sir, we remember what this liar said while he was still alive. He claimed in three days he would come back from death. So please order the tomb to be carefully guarded for three days. If you don't, his disciples may come and steal his body. They will tell the people he has been raised to life, and this last lie will be worse than the first one. Pilate said to them, All right, take some of your soldiers and guard the tomb as well as you know how. So they sealed it tight and placed soldiers there to guard it. Psalm 34 1 through 10. Written by David when he pretended to be crazy in front of Abimelech so that Abimelech would send him away and David could leave. I will always praise the Lord. With all my heart, I will praise the Lord. Let all who are helpless listen and be glad. Honor the Lord with me. Celebrate his great name. I asked the Lord for help and he saved me from all my fears. Keep your eyes on the Lord. You will shine like the sun and never blush with shame. I was a nobody, but I prayed and the Lord saved me from all my troubles. If you honor the Lord, his angel will protect you. Discover for yourself that the Lord is kind. Come to Him for protection, and you will be glad. Honor the Lord. You are His special people. No one who honors the Lord will ever be in need. Young lions may go hungry or even starve, but if you trust the Lord, you will never miss out on anything good. Proverbs 9, 7 and 8 Correct a worthless bragger, and all you will get are insults and injuries. Any bragger you correct will only hate you. But if you correct someone who has common sense, 
you will be loved. Okay, so obviously in the book of Matthew, we have reached Jesus' crucifixion and death. And in a few days, we will actually be in Jerusalem following these footsteps of Jesus' last days. And this is the first time that we've encountered this story this year in the first gospel, the gospel of Matthew. And I am struck by the indifference of the chief priests, the leaders, and the teachers of the law of Moses. Jesus had become a threat to the status quo, and it was a complicated situation, and it's easy enough to kind of go on the religious leader side of things and appreciate what they had to discern and the way that they had to kind of balance things out, but their indifference, their mockery, it's like they had had enough of Jesus and they just needed to get rid of him as quickly and efficiently as possible, as clearly as possible, making as big of a statement as possible. This guy is not the guy we're looking for. And anyone who's following him needs to see where he ended up. And a very, very challenging piece of that is that God had come. They had been crying out and hoping for restoration, and God had come and was in front of them, and they couldn't see it. And not only could they not see it, they determined that they needed to get rid of it. In other words, they needed to get rid of Jesus. In other words, they needed to get rid of God as quickly as possible. And these are the religious leaders leading the people to God and in the ways of God. The irony is striking to me. And I'm not trying to oversimplify. There was a lot going on and it was a complicated situation. But once they, once they started getting called out by Jesus and the inner workings of certain things were being exposed and the people were listening and Jesus was gaining momentum and he wouldn't play ball, like he wouldn't get with the program, the program that was kind of keeping the peace for the Jewish people, he became a threat. And it's very, very easy for us who have heard the story a hundred or two hundred or five hundred times to just move to the end. Jesus rises from the death. The world is rescued. Everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. It's a great story. If we can just linger here with Jesus, the Lord, hanging on a cross be because he's affixed there with nails that he's probably actually gasping for breath while the chief priests and the leaders of, and the teachers of the law are there saying he saved others, but he can't save himself. If he's the king of Israel, he should come down from the cross. We'll believe him then. And of course they would if he came down from the cross. But he had been all over the countryside and everywhere he went, things were being put back together. People were being restored. Hope was being restored. It's like, what else 
what else would he need to do? And if we can take this kind of blunt scene that it's it's a it's a terrible scene that Jesus is crucified on a cross and blood is everywhere. It is pooling at the bottom of the cross and he can't breathe and people are making fun of him and jeering at him and sneering at him and at, at this public execution. Like Jesus is broken in body. Obviously, he is broken. He is dying. And this is the lengths of humiliation and humility and servanthood that the Most High, the Almighty God, who incarnated himself into human flesh and became one of us and dwelt among us. This is the lengths God was willing to go to. Utter humiliation. Total defeat, it seemed, to rescue us. Like there's not a whole lot else we should meditate upon today. This is where the scriptures have led us and we should sit here and consider how many times we've missed God's movements in our lives and labeled them and mislabeled them. How easily we can miss God standing right in front of us as well. And the lengths that God has been willing to go to to put us back together again. And so Jesus, what do we say? We can say thank you. We can say anything. We can say we lay our lives before you as a living sacrifice. We can say anything. How we live is actually what we're saying, that we believe about you. And we invite your Holy Spirit to enter into that thought and allow us to consider because you demonstrated a total commitment to our rescue. It is beyond our comprehension and it is beyond our capacity. And we stand in awe of it. But we also realize that our level of loyalty has been less than that considerably. And we ask for your forgiveness. And as we meditate upon this scene today, we ask that your Holy Spirit would awaken in us the joy of our salvation. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so here in the land of the Bible, we are certainly also contemplating the cross and we'll walk in those footsteps uh, days from now and contemplate it kind of firsthand as we walk those steps. But we're not there yet. We're in the Galilee and spending some serene days walking in the footsteps of Jesus' ministry and also just northern Israel. And so uh, northern Israel actually was what we did yesterday. So our first stop, uh, the ruins of an ancient village called Chorazin. And this was a place that Jesus ministered and a place that 
Jesus frequented and a place that also Jesus said, woe to you, woe to you, Chorazin. And so uh, it's ruins. Nobody lives there. And uh, so obviously, woe to them. But we were able to walk around and view a place where Jesus was and get a little bit of an understanding and backdrop for the people around the Galilee before uh, moving further north, actually all the way to the Lebanon border north, like as far as we can go north, uh, to, to the ancient city of Dan, the tribe of Dan was there. It was a former, formerly a city formerly known as Laish, but the Danites conquered it and changed the name to Dan. And so uh, we visited there. There is a lot of history there uh, from the Canaanite era all the way forward and uh, all the way forward into the divided monarchy when Israel was the ten tribes in the north and Judah were the tribes in the south uh, with two different kings. And so we talked about King Jeroboam, the first king of the northern kingdom of Israel and his leading Israel into idolatry because there's a pagan temple in Dan that Jeroboam had set up. And he set another one up in Bethel, uh, a twin to the one in Dan. So we just talked about that and talked about uh, owning our relationship with God and considering that. And it's a beautiful nature preserve as well. And so a really beautiful morning being able to get out into nature and walk and uh, appreciate and learn and then open the scriptures and consider. Uh, and then there at Dan as well is an ancient Canaanite gate, one of the oldest one of the two oldest Canaanite gates in Israel. And the one there in Dan dates all the way back to uh, pre-Abraham times. In fact, it's very likely that Abraham went through that gate. Lot was captured. And uh, as, as the Bible tells us, Abraham went after his family once they were captured and, and chased all the way as far as Dan. And so we're looking at the ancient Canaanite gates uh, from the time of Abraham, and so he probably went through there. And so that's pretty cool to stare at that that piece of archaeology and realize that goes all the way back to the beginning of the story. Like, it takes us all the way back to Genesis again. That's pretty... It's a pretty striking moment to realize that. And, and every time I go there, I, I marvel at it. And so that was a wonderful morning. And then we moved from there to the ancient city of Caesarea Philippi, which is also famous in the scriptures. And Jesus is also located there. This is where Jesus went with his disciples and asked, who do people say that I am? And, and they tell him. Then he asked them, who do you say? Who do you say that I am? And this is where Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so we moved around uh, that site for a while, contemplating Jesus' question, Who do you say that I am? And uh, then moved into lunch and had a, a really great lunch together, place that we always go and it's it's a it's a it's a wonderful lunch, 
then it's the right time to eat and just kind of decompress from what we've seen. And then we moved from lunch uh, to Mount Bental, where we could see Mount Hermon, and she was covered in snow. And there was a ton of snow getting up to Mount Bental, like more snow than I've ever seen in Israel. And there was snow up on the top of the mountain. We've had that before. We've been up there and there's been snow. This was the second time. There was a lot of snow this time and a lot of snow on Mount Hermon. So we were up there on the Syrian border, literally looking across into Syria, looking at Mount Hermon. And we took some time to pray for our brothers and sisters, not only Syrian brothers and sisters who are being persecuted, but all of our brothers and sisters who do not have the freedoms that we just take for granted, especially in our worship. And we just take for granted so many of our brothers and sisters uh, do not have these kinds of privileges. And so rather than focusing inward, we focused outward and, and prayed for them. And that's a moving thing. It's a moving thing to do. And then uh, we spent some time up there. Really pretty day. Got some coffee. Enjoyed some time there. And then moved down the mountain and back toward the Sea of Galilee, ending our day in Bethsaida, another place that we, you know, that the Bible locates Jesus, feeding 4,000, uh, doing miraculous works, teaching, preaching, revealing the kingdom. Uh, a couple of the disciples uh, of their hometown was Bethsaida. And so we went there and spent some time talking about it and some of us you know just took the time to go for a walk it's really a great way to land the day it's so serene there it's so beautiful there it's a place that I, I can feel Jesus like I, I can picture I can picture him walking through the countryside there and others of us kind of toured the site there's a lot of archaeology a lot of really really interesting biblical things about that place and so that's kind of how we ended our day jill sang over us we sang with her and went for a walk and enjoyed uh just uh some serenity as we ended the day before coming back to the hotel a little bit earlier just trying to pace ourselves get a little bit of rest and so that's where we found ourselves a really, really beautiful day. Having now gone north, south, east, and west from Dan to Beersheba. And we still have so much to go, but we have accomplished those goals. And so uh, today we'll spend our time mostly centered around the Sea of Galilee. And uh, I look forward to telling you about it after it happens, after we do it. Thank you for your continued prayers over us. Uh, everything is going quite well. And we are definitely enjoying our time. It's definitely an effort and definitely takes a lot of energy. But we are doing well. And so thank you for your continued prayers. If you want to partner with the Daily Audio Bible, thank you, humbly, 
Uh, we wouldn't be able to do any of what we do if we didn't do it together. And so thank you humbly for your partnership. There is a link on the homepage at dailyaudiobible.com. If you're using the app, you can press the Give button in the upper right-hand corner. Or the mailing address is P.O. Box 1996, Spring Hill, Tennessee, 37174. And as always, if you have a prayer request or encouragement, you can hit the hotline button in the app. Or you can dial 877-942-4253. And that's it for today. I'm Brian. I love you. And I'll be waiting for you here tomorrow. Good morning, Dab family. I want to go by GIA, which stands for God in Action. Um, share a little bit of my testimony, as well as ask for prayers. Uh, May of 2021, I wound up being uh, admitted for observation. Uh, I laid there hemorrhaging for 21 hours, and I was pregnant, and they couldn't find out what was going on. Um, long story short, I wound up losing the baby um, because of anemia, losing too much blood. Um, well, I had to get a DNC. His name was Matthew. I was 15 weeks pregnant. Um, so to fast forward time, I wound up relapsing. I was clean. I wound up relapsing um, on drugs. And in January 4th of 2022, uh, my boyfriend at the time had to call the ambulance on me. I was unresponsive. Uh, I knew prior to that I wasn't feeling well. Everybody was begging me to go to the hospital and I was kept putting it off because of the drug use. Um, anyways, I wound up going to the hospital weighing 95 pounds soaking wet. Um, I had a infection in my blood that they couldn't figure out what it was. Now, today, they know it probably came from the DNC that they did um, or the pressure sore that I wound up creating because of the infection causing me to lose so much weight. Uh, they told my family I wasn't going to make it. I was on life support. Uh, the, the infection kept attacking all my major organs. Uh, I wound up having to get open heart surgery. They tried to pull me off the respirator three times. But by the grace of God, I made it. I'm here and I'm alive. Um, unfortunately from it, one of the issues was the infection went to my eyes. So I am now 100% legally blind. Um, I've been, I had to learn how to walk again and how to talk again. Um, and how to feed myself and then adapt to being blind. God has brought me so far. Uh, I used to pray before therapy every day that he would just lead me. Um, and my spirits have been so high. Uh, I've had my, my time, let's say I usually had a high spirit for 95% of the time, but then there's that 5%. And today's one of those days that I just am really dwelling on my disability. and. But by the grace of God, I was wondering how, because prior to that, I was a believer in Christ, and I was that one out of a hundred sheep that went stray. And um, I'm grateful that he brought me back to him and He, his grace and his mercy. But I'm asking just for, you know, there's something that God wants to reveal to me in this time and that it be revealed. I don't ask why anymore. Um, so just pray for my vision and that 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 my 
I know he's going to restore it, but there's something he wants me to see first. Um, and I just pray that everybody, you know, don't focus on the trip so much that they forget about the destination, which is heaven on earth. Um, I love you guys and have a blessed day. Hey, D.A.B., it's your girl Val here in Vegas. I sure hope y'all not done with me. Oh, I've just been feeling so many of my sisters and brothers on my spirit. I've got to reach out. Erica in San Francisco, I love you. Woo! But the best part is our Heavenly Father loves you even more, sis. I lost my mother 12 years ago last month. And my grandmother a week later, my mom at 62, my grandmother at 92. Honey, I share that to share that the loss of a mother is a pain that is unreal. God blessed me to be there with her when she took her last breath. There's nothing like that, being with the person that was there with you when you took your first breath. Oh, but sis, you said it. You are her legacy, honey. And like your mama, God is my boyfriend. He my bunkie. He's my lover, my master. Woo, he my everything. Jesus and Paul were single, so it's good enough for me. Honey, I need you to know that your mother is proud of you. Ooh, she's so proud of you, Erica. Baby, you grieve. You celebrate her birthday on February 9th. Mine is February 15th, and I will be celebrating your mother on the 9th. You didn't leave her name. I want to know that sweet woman's name. She did it right when she raised you. Lord God, we come before you right now, Father, for Erica. God, right now, put in her heart to rejoice always. Oh, Heavenly Father, give her pain for the grief that she's feeling as a loss of her mother, God. Oh, Heavenly Father, go and be with her. Wrap your loving arms around her. Oh, Father, you are close to the brokenhearted. He's got you, sis. In Jesus' name. Now you go and you celebrate your mother. To, got, to die is gain, honey. You get to spend eternity. Hey, my beautiful dabbers. So good to connect with all of you guys. Come from SoCal. This is um, Christ who lives in me. And um, I just heard, I believe it was uh, Winston. I'm sorry, Webster. Webster. Um, and he was just sharing about how he desires to have just like more faith and have that relationship with God. And maybe it not be so logical and just so you know, systematic like that. And brother, I just wanted to encourage you in that, bro, because uh, I've submit, I spent many years um, in apologetics and it was such a huge foundation to my faith. And I found that, you know, as you're finding right now, that that can't be like all, right? Like, you know, like having a logical faith and, uh, you know, there is reason behind our faith. And so I totally get it. But man, bro, I just want to pray that, that you would have an encounter with God and that like he would come down right now and he would meet up with you so that you would know that, that, that not only God is real though, but that he is crazy about you every single day. That when he formed you, even before that, that you were even here, he formed you fearfully and, and, and wonderfully. Meaning man, that he knew that you were just gonna be so amazing and that, and that you would experience that personal intimacy and relationship as he has with the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? So they, they had that beautiful relationship and that now that you would have that union with them. And so Lord God, may this just come, come about in his life, Lord, that, that he may have that fullness of joy in you 
And thank you, God, that you are faithful and that you will meet him, God, in Jesus' name. I love you, brother. Love you, dad family. Hi, this is Michelle from Boston. I'm calling for Webster, who was saying that you feel like you lack faith and you've been asking for faith for 13 years and seeking and you don't feel it. And I want to suggest that maybe what you're looking for, what you're expecting to feel, maybe isn't the way that God is manifesting faith in your life. When I heard your story and I heard that you've been asking and praying for 13 years, to me, that sounds an awful lot like faith. Faith is not a feeling that we can manifest within ourselves. We, we don't need to feel faith in order to have faith. We don't need to feel saved in order to be saved. That's a lie. And so I just want to encourage you to think that maybe God is giving you faith and you just haven't been looking in the places where he's given it to you. So Lord, I pray for Webster and for all of us who desperately want the feeling of faith. We are desperately wanting to feel in our hearts that we are close to you, that we trust you completely. And those of us that continue to ask and to ask and to ask, and I thank you for providing that faith. You promise that you will provide us faith and there's nothing that we can do besides ask for it. So Lord, Good morning, DAB family. It's uh, February the 8th. Um, uh, this is Sam from Alabama and just uh, catching up. Uh, I've been out of the country for the last couple of weeks, but I was listening, to, I believe it's the January 25th podcast uh, from Paul in Houston, and I just want to encourage you, brother. Uh, I, too, was separated and now divorced eight and a half years and estranged from my oldest daughter. And I just want to encourage you, brother, keep praying into it. Uh, uh, as the word says, God will redeem the years the locusts have eaten. And uh, I promise you that's a promise. He promises us, and, and God will never go back on his word. And also, where I've been the last couple of two weeks, I've been in South Sudan and uh, out in the bush uh, just with the brothers and sisters of the Nuwares in Nasser and then the Dinkas and Bar El Ghazal and Awil and Tonj and the, the Jer brothers and in um, Volo and it just what a blessing it was. And again, John, every time I hear your voice, it takes me over to South Sudan. I just love the people and uh, just love the country and it's such a blessing. And also Margot from Liberia or Li Australia, uh, we took MAF Uganda in and out of there, and also MAF South Sudan, but there was a pilot there that I met, and I told him about you on uh, you and your husband flying for MAF Liberia, and I didn't know your last name. I just said Margot from Australia and Liberia. He knew exactly who you were, and uh, his name is Andrew, and I just think what a small world, and blessed be the tie that binds. I love you, D.A.B., be blessed and be a blessing. Mm -hmm.